This is an MVP podcast, My Village Productions. Welcome to Unsolved America, a show where we explore unsolved mysteries throughout the United States. I'm your host, Tiffany. And I'm your host, Andy, and each week we will throw a dart at the map and wherever it lands is the location of our mystery. Welcome back to Unsolved America. Tiff and I took a little bit of a break because sometimes... Shit happens. Yep, life happens. It gets in the way. But we wanted to come back before the end of the year to give you something for the holidays. So we are both sharing stories today and look forward to getting back to our normal podcasting schedule. We will resume our regular schedule on February 2nd, releasing episodes every week. Yes, we are. Yeah. Until then, sit back and enjoy these unsolved cases that are from holidays past. Dun, dun, dun. dun. (laughs) So you're going to share your story first. Yours is based around Christmas, or it happened around Christmas. It did. It happened around Christmas, and actually it's kind of a semi-local story because it happened in Colorado Springs. Ooh, only about an hour away. An hour and a half. half. (laughs) (laughs) I immediately redacted my statement. I was like, "Eh." You're wrong. Back. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are you driving down there? How how fast are you driving? Super fast in my Toyota Matrix. Vroom vroom. <laughs> uh, we are going to talk about Margaret Sweet. Okay. Margaret or May Sweet was a young, lively woman, and she loved live music. She was a lover of the outdoors. Her family described her as an adventurous spirit who felt most herself when she was whitewater rafting in the mountains. Um, She was also really reliable and thoughtful, and she was always there for a friend in need. May. I'm going to call her May because that's what everyone was calling her. Um, May was actually living in Nashville for some time. And she met a boy there. And this boy's name was, it's a weird name, but it's Jer. Like J, J, yeah, J-E-R-E. Jer. So like half of Jeremy. Yeah. Like Jer Bear. (laughs) I like it. Jer. Hey, Jer. Hey, Jer. Anyways. She started dating this boy named Jer, and their relationship was very rocky. They claim that Jer never, or he claims that he never hit or physically harmed May, but May was like, I'm done with this. So she decided to move to Colorado Springs to be closer to her dad and family. And during that time... Jer decided to come and fuck shit up. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, he decided to come to Colorado Springs and start, you know, bothering her and showing up places and all of this stuff. Um, On one occasion, he left a teddy bear and a dozen red roses and an engagement ring in her car. Absolutely not. What do you mean in her car? <laughs> Inside the car. It's like creepy enough if you like put it on the hood of the car, but like <laughs> <laughs> he's just like, surprise, I got in your car. No. You're not safe that anywhere. Is, that is terrifying. Right? It is so ridiculous. Could you imagine just getting in your car one morning and there's just like 
granted you're not like living with your significant other or anything and then all of a sudden there's just like a bunch of crap in your car that you know is not yours yeah it's not there yeah the night before i would legitimately be like okay no calling out today i'm not going anywhere i am locking myself in my house calling the cops and that's pretty much what she did because on may 13th 2008 she filed a restraining order against him rightfully so right creep um it's because though that she filed the restraining order the that day they she came home and i guess he was around and she was kind of drunk and they allegedly started fighting okay and he grabbed her wrist to prevent her from hitting him and he inadvertently bruised her and yeah so there's just a lot of crap going their their whole relationship was just very rocky rocky yeah like one of those like i think fighting and then making up and then fighting and then finally you leave Mm. tumultuous if you will yes but they do say they didn't have a history of violence but there's no way that that wouldn't happen yeah it seems like if they i mean if you get into an altercation or like a disagreement or an argument whatever you want to call it and you get physical i feel like a lot of times that's a Mm. habit that that's not the first time yeah because I have never gotten to that point in my life where I'm like, I'm about to get physical, you know, like I'm not, no. But then like, I'll just like, I, I'll just break down and like start crying. So like, yeah. maybe that's just me. But that, that's how I am too. I'm like, I get so mad, but then I just start crying. Right. Because I'm mad. And the worst I ever do is like, say words. Oh, yeah. Because I know I I know how to hurt somebody with words. Uh I get real snarky. Yeah. Very feisty. Yeah. But I'm never like started swinging. No. And that thought has never crossed my mind. Like in that moment, I'm not like, I'm going to hit you. What? (laughs) I mean, that one, I mean, it was maybe a thought crossed my mind when I was a child. Yeah. Not not any time in the last, you know, 15, 20 years. Yeah, no. Well, now let's fast forward to December 24th of 2008, Christmas Eve. Okay. And we'll just go through the timeline of what happened to May Sweet. All right. I also will note, and I didn't say this earlier, um, May started dating in colorado springs and she occasionally used the name shelby jameson as like a a name that she wanted to go by because she was doing it was like when things were first starting to come online like dating websites and all Mm -hmm. those things and she just had a bad experience with jer and so she was just using that name for whatever it is plenty of fish or whatever came out in 2008 yeah, I have no idea. But also, I imagine, too, she probably would use a, a different name, too, because if if Jer is as creepy as he sounds he is, I wouldn't put it past him to, like, search for her on these dating websites. Well, and that's what came to light is, like, she put her apartment in this name. She didn't want him to find her that oh, way. Oh, wow. Like, like, public records yeah. say Shelby Jameson. Mm-hmm. How is that legal? 
I mean, I feel like there was looser laws in 2008. Yeah. We didn't check as much. They didn't do like background checks and stuff. Mm-hmm. I guess they don't do background checks for apartments releasing, do they? Mm-hmm. I'm well, they do in some places now. Mm. I think so. Now. <laughs> yeah, now. That's what I'm saying. Anyways, so on December 24th, May that morning, she goes to church for Christmas Eve. Okay. Which is normal. Yeah. And then that afternoon, May visits her best friend. Um, so after she went to church, she went to her friend Tammy's house to eat and celebrate Christmas Eve. And Tammy later tells sources that May's been going through a really difficult breakup and was trying to get away from her ex-boyfriend. At times, May appeared to have bruises, and she uh, also said that her ex threatened to shoot her. Oh, okay. So May confided that she had even reached out to Tessa, which is a local nonprofit that assists victims of domestic and sexual violence. Okay. Um, about what was going on and to get more information. So that evening, May May's uh, father's wife okay. had surgery. And so they were her father and her were taking turns visiting her her and like taking care of her at the hospital so may was taking care of her stepmom who was at the hospital like i said but Mm -hmm. she was also staying at her father's house because it was closer to the hospital that her stepmom was at makes sense so they had just switched dad came to the hospital may leaves the hospital in the evening on christmas eve and stops at a Walgreens or a drugstore and then goes home. Okay. At about 11 p.m., a neighbor hears sh- shouting. Okay. And a neighbor uh, says they heard a man yelling obscenities while a m- woman was shouting, get the beep away from me. Get the F out. Yes. Um, And that was right around her father's house. Okay. Later that night, sometime between 11 and 11.30 p.m., the neighbor hears a gunshot ring out during the argument. And then the neighbor decides not to call 911. Which is wild to me. We have a friend who lived in an apartment complex Mm -hmm. who where there was like, regular shenanigans that went down on at this place and i am 90 percent positive that probably almost 100 percent of the time nobody called the cops yeah and it's wild if you see something that's like a little sus you should probably report it yeah but it's becoming so second nature and that's unfortunate even even now i don't know about 2008 in colorado springs like i feel like that's not normal to hear that yeah but like in denver it's normal to hear it all the time yeah and like how many i mean unless you actually say it you have no idea where that's coming from true oh but i thought it was at the the dad's house or they just heard it like from a distance they heard it from a distance the neighbor did hear the yelling but i'm just talking in general oh yeah yeah, yeah. like i we hear gunshots all the time and we don't know where it's coming from yeah that's true yeah and i guess if you call the police and you're like i heard gunshots in this general area yeah they're gonna be like cool 
Yeah, Nothing that's not do. helpful. Yeah. But if you hear something and you know where it's coming from and you just heard fighting, you should maybe try to just pick up a phone call. Right. Like, like a phone. I'm just saying, like, live life like you're living at the airport. You see something suspicious. You see an unclaimed bag just sitting somewhere. Report it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's facts, though, right? Like, yeah. Anyways. So come to find out that the victim, of course, is May. And no one finds her, though, till the next morning okay. on Christmas Day. Did the dad find her? The dad finds his daughter oh. at 5.50 a.m. So he just returned back from the hospital where his wife was recovering, as we talked about, and notices something on his white picket fence. Oh. And he walks over there and he finds May dead with one leg in the basement window well her body's cold and she's surrounded by different pools of blood Hmm. calls the authorities and then of course may is declared dead right on scene and according to the ballistic reports the same gun that killed may was actually involved in a shooting in 2007 and it was a drug deal gone bad at oh. that point. Okay. Yeah. But when they did toxicology reports on May, it's, it looked like she was sober. There, so they just ruled out drugs in general. Um, yeah. Was that other case, and you might not know this, was that other case in Colorado Springs or was it in Tennessee? Uh, I have no idea. I would assume Colorado Springs. Because I'm drawing connections. I know here. you are. But the, the thing is, when they went to go talk to Jer... He was saying that he was on a date with another woman, 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 with another woman. With multiple women. At the same time. I just feel like that's a little sus. Yeah. Did anybody corroborate his story? Well, so they, they did a. Polygraph? Yes. A lie detector test on him. So unreliable. I know, but they did, which he passed. And then they also tested his hands for gunpowder residue and determined he hadn't fired a gun recently. But the problem is, the problem is, it was the te- that test, the gun residue test, was like eight hours after the actual shooting. Well, that and then I'm like, if he was wearing gloves, right? which, hello, December in Colorado, high likelihood at night. You're wearing a jacket, you take it off. Especially if he's been, like, camped outside the dad's house waiting for her to come home. Which I also don't like that this person knew where she was going, because that means that I I can't say it's Jer, because there's no evidence that points to him. Yeah, but we're just just speculating like we always do. So I'll just say the person who knew where she would be, because that's not her primary residence. No. So, like... You knew where she was going to be, so you've been following her, and you know where she's going to be and where she's like what she's doing actively. Right, and that's what's weird is like you had to know her because it was just so she was so it was so close to her too. Like it wasn't from far away, and she was at her dad's house, not her own place. Yeah, weird. And so they ruled him out just because of those two things. There's no solid concrete evidence no but i mean she was like i said dating and like meeting new people and 
all of that. So who knows really what happened? Okay. Or why? Yeah. But it's my story on Christmas Day that or Christmas Eve into Christmas Day. Margaret Sweet. Well, if you have any evidence or evidence, if you <laughs> well, if you have evidence, you should turn it over a hundred percent. But if you have any information, reach out to Colorado Springs yes. Police Department. Yes, absolutely. So I, I I would like to point out. So my story is based around New Year's. Of course, that's the other holiday. Of course, during the holiday time. Yes. The so I think it's funny that you did a story in Colorado, which is my home state. Mm-hmm. Mine is based in Florida. Oh, where I lived for a very long yes. time. So I think it's funny that we like kind of swapped states a little bit. I think we just knew. Right. We, we happen to do this all the time, though, where right. we do the same type of stories. Yes. And mine is an unsolved murder as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's funny to me. We're just on the same wavelength. Right. We always just go back and forth. So tell me what happened in Florida. Yes. So my case is focused on a young man named RJ. Okay. RJ was 27 and living in Miami, Florida. He was described by those who love him as the shirt off my back kind of friend. Yeah. Um, so just very caring, mm-hmm. loving. Wasn't known to have many quote unquote enemies, if you will. It makes me so frustrated that all these stories, like 90% of our stories that we ever talk about, the person was loved by everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, go on. So RJ had done a brief stint in the Air Force and ended up in L.A. Mm -hmm. where he had considered modeling for a little bit. He would later end up in Washington, D.C., where he landed the occasional job of installing lighting in local nightclubs. Okay. During this time, he learned how to DJ, and he went by the name of DJ Skywalker. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) It wasn't until two of his friends and future roommates moved to Miami from Virginia, and that's when he considered to make the move to Florida. Mm -hmm. So he would go kind of back and forth in between the two for a while, and then finally he decided... I'm I'm just moving. You might as well, yeah. Moved in with his two friends. His friends described him as a bit of a gypsy. Like he would stay sometimes for like a week at a time and then he would just kind of go stay at different pe- like people's houses. Like they mm-hmm. they said that like he would he was just as comfortable sleeping on the floor of somebody's bathroom as he was like in a queen size bed. So it's just like he was just happy wherever he was. Wherever you laid your head, you were there. Absolutely. And when he moved, he to just give you an idea of like that gypsy lifestyle as mm-hmm. well that they're talking about. He had nothing but a cell phone, some clothes, and he brought his records with him. I mean, travel light. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of times you don't have a, phys- a lot of physical, you know, um, items that you travel with or if you're. Well, and if you're especially moving, moving into a place with already two other people, like True. how many things can you actually bring? Right. So within a few weeks of moving to Miami, RJ was um, scrolling on MySpace for those <laughs> uh, for those who remember. Throw back to MySpace. <laughs> right. So. And that's where he came across a profile for 27-year-old Caitlin, who was a mother to a six-year-old daughter. Okay. And after a week of talking, the two decided to get on the phone with one another. All right. Moved a little quick. Yeah, that is quick. 
They began to make plans. To, uh, they wanted to jump on a motorcycle and head to the Keys, uh, fly up to Washington to meet his friends and family. After two months in Miami, RJ had not found consistent work yet. Mm-hmm. But then what the, his friends always joked that his full-time job was talking to Caitlin. <laughs> because they would just tease him about how much he was on the phone with her. Like sometimes he was he would call her like when he woke up and he'd be on the phone with her all day. I mean, if you're smitten, you're smitten. Right. And girl, back in those days, those minutes were not free. No. <laughs> what year was this again? This was 2004. Okay, yeah. Ish? Yeah, 2004. <laughs> so one thing to note about Caitlin is that she did bail on meeting RJ in person multiple times. Catfish. And it wasn't until early December of that year that she came clean and told him that she was already in a relationship. Ugh. And it was a boyfriend that she was currently living with. They had been friends for like a really long time. They ended up deciding to date each other. It was a whole ordeal. And she, in, in a lot of interviews, because a lot of speculation, of course, goes around her and her boyfriend at the time. Um, yeah. And she always would say that the boyfriend was in the dark he had no idea well hmm. i take that back he did get suspicious shortly after they met but he didn't know it was a completely new person he thought it was like an old lover yeah i mean but if they're talking all day every day right how how does that right like how do you get away with that I mean, unless you are dating someone who's on a complete different schedule than you. Right. Which she worked at like an escort service as like doing administrative work. Scheduling. Well, she would do the scheduling. Mm -hmm. And then he was a bouncer at a nightclub. So maybe they were on opposite schedules. Maybe. I don't know. But I digress. Um, When it became obvious that they were in love, they made a plan for her to break up with the boyfriend. Okay. RJ um, insisted that she didn't do it before Christmas. She He didn't want her to break his heart so close to the holidays. I'm okay. Yeah, it's... I mean, if you're going to do something shady, like, you must not even... It doesn't matter when, you do, when you're doing it. Right. Oh, yeah. 100%. Let, let me break up with you after Christmas, after you get me presents. Cool. Right. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, so they decided that they were going to wait until after the new year before they would just kind of jump in and just be all in with each other. Yeah, yeah. So now we're going to jump a couple of weeks ahead to New Year's. RJ's friends all had plans. Some were out of town. Others were just going out to the club to party that night. RJ, however, didn't have consistent work at the time, like I had mentioned. Mm -hmm. So... He was a little light on expendable income. Yeah. So he decided that he was just going to stay home. He told Caitlin that his plans were to get a bottle of champagne and play PlayStation for the night. With champagne. With champagne. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. I'm fancy now. Right. Playing that PlayStation 3. (laughs) (laughs) But what he told his friends was a completely different story. Okay. So in a phone conversation with one of his friends, he told them that his plans were, quote unquote, nothing. I'm going to stay at home. 
my girlfriend's going to come over with one of her friends, me and my girl and her girl coming over to get freaky. Oh. So. And but he told his friends that, right? Yeah. So he, I mean. It might have just been like boys. Being boys. Which I hate that saying because it's used to justify such trash behavior. Tell me how you really feel. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. I mean, 100%. (laughs) So at 10.05 p.m., RJ decided to call his mother, Virginia. Okay. They were on the phone for about 26 minutes before he got a call waiting. Okay. He put his mom on hold and then from there popped back on and said, gotta go. I got the girls coming over. To his mom? To his mom. Okay. And this is like, she she remembers him saying this to her. Mm-hmm. And then RJ said goodbye and hung up the phone. The last person that he called was at 1132. And was a fr- it was his friend uh, Pete, who was partying at a local club. And he asked him to come over and bring cranberry juice, which they all assumed was just for vodka. Yeah. Which, classy drink. Well, I mean, he was already drinking the champagne. True. (laughs) Pete did not answer any of the calls or text messages. But according to another, like a mutual friend, he told uh, RJ that he was with some girls and couldn't make it. Okay. So a lot of interesting behavior. (laughs) But it is, I mean, New Year's, New Year's Eve is like the quintessential party holiday. Right. Like... Like, you're drinking. Oh, yeah. You're just getting completely trashed. If you do And hooking up with whoever. I mean, they're all in their 20s. I mean, and it's Miami. I mean, party. Can't think of a sleazier place to celebrate New New Year's. Exactly. 100%. So, the telephone log uh, did record a one final call at 1157- that was made to 911. At a le- right before. Yeah. According to the Miami homicide detectives, the recording of the call from 911, there were no sounds on the recording at all. Oh gosh. And it lasted less than a minute and it was just cut off abruptly. But because the call came from a cell phone, obviously it can't be traced. Mhm. And they couldn't so they couldn't send anybody out to an address and neither the police or the cell phone company, nobody can tell if it's like, did they hang up or did they lose connection? There's just no way of knowing that. Yeah. I even think today there's no way of knowing that. Yeah, I don't think so either. Today, I think we have better cell phone coverage than we did back in 2008. So I think the likelihood of it 2004. being... 2004. Sorry, yours was 2008. Yeah. 2004 was calls would get dropped. Yeah. Pretty oh, frequently. Yeah. So was, yeah. this is where it gets just a little dicey with Caitlin. Okay. Their whole plan was that on New Year's Day, RJ had received a job offer from his previous employer in Virginia. Mm-hmm. It was just going to be a short-term gig. He was only going to be gone for a few weeks, back to back to D.C., back to the Virginia area. And he was just going to go install some lighting for these clubs in the area, and then he was going to come right back to Miami. The job was going to make enough money for him and Caitlin to be able to get their own place together. Oh, wow. So... That was their whole plan. She was going to pick him up on New Year's Day. They were going to spend a night together, their first night together. Ooh. Yes. Do what lovers do, if you will. 
Yeah, but I thought she was coming the day before. No, not on New Year's. Oh. No. No, she, um, we'll get into that, what she was doing on New Year's Eve, because obviously she was a pretty big suspect in all of this at first. Yeah. So the whole plan was pick him up. Then she was going to drop him off at the airport the next day. On the second, he was going to go to Virginia. Mm -hmm. She was going to get all of her things in order. Right. Move to Miami from Fort Lauderdale. Okay. So she she didn't hear from him. So on New Year's Day, she messaged him on AOL. Oh, gosh. And (laughs) dial up. Yeah. On AOL, the the phone, the like the remote like aim. Aim, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. From your phone, not not from the computer. At five o'clock that day, because she realized she was, she had been working all day and she realized, oh, I haven't heard from him like to confirm what we're doing tonight or what the like, you know, what the final official plan is. Mm-hmm. So she messaged him, didn't hear back. So in her mind, she immediately said that she went to this idea of like, well, maybe he's preoccupied and he just can't get back to her. But then, like, the other thought she had, too, was, like, maybe he just doesn't want to be with me because of, like, this whole situation that I'm in. I mean, it had only been, like, what, two months since yeah. they since they started talking? So I think it was just that mix. So she didn't think anything of it and kind of just went about her day. Okay. So on Friday, January 2nd, she called and left him a voicemail. And she said, hey, RJ, I hope you're not mad at me. Call me once you are on the ground in D.C. Because she she knew what she knew yeah. what his plans were. Right. Yeah. So then a few days later, she called again and said, all right, I'm getting I'm starting to get scared. I want to know. I want to know that you're not dead in a ditch somewhere. Oh, my gosh. Foreshadowing. Right. Maybe. I don't know. But then on January 5th, a day after RJ's body was discovered, his phone recorded a message from a very hysterical woman. Okay. And the voicemail states, I'm so sorry I didn't tell you that I love you. Now, what's interesting, it wasn't Caitlin. Huh. It wasn't RJ's mother, and it wasn't any of his sisters. Nobody knows who it was. That's so weird. Yeah. And you're, when did that come... Like, when did the, did it say when the message was like? It didn't say a time. It just said on January 5th. Okay. And that was the day after his body was found. Hmm. So somebody could have found out that he. Oh, yeah, definitely. Died and was just like. Definitely. I never told you I was a secret admirer or right. something like, like whatever. Like a coworker or, well, <laughs> you know what I mean? Just yeah. somebody from his past. So. Now let's go back to January 4th real quick. Okay. So Stefan Von Fouts. Oh, that's, that's a name. The name of his friend, one of his friends that he lived with. Mm-hmm. He came home from his trip on uh, January 4th in the morning. And then his other roommate, Christian Webb, came home later that day as well. As Stefan started to climb the stairs, he caught a whiff of a very foul odor. Huh. He states that he thought it was just like a dead animal, maybe in the walls or just something like that. So he didn't really think too much of it. He gets to the apartment door. They keep saying loft. (laughs) I'm going to say apartment because I don't like that word for some reason. (laughs) And the front door was locked from the inside. So the deadbolt wasn't latched, but the bottom 
key uh-huh. yeah bottom part was locked which he said isn't out of the ordinary he said a lot of times and i feel like a lot of people do that you just set it to like lock whenever it closes and it just yeah is always locked right right so he didn't think anything of it he unlocked the door walked into their living room and saw something on the floor mm-hmm. and he said that he just was overcome with disbelief he was stupefied just like didn't know what was going on the corpse on the floor he didn't recognize he had sh- um rj had shaved his head and his face was black and bloated what so he thought it was like a stranger he thought it was just yeah. like a random person until he realized that it was rj rj had some um facial piercings things tattoos things to give him away right like, yeah so rj was wearing a a black shirt and a lightweight black jacket and he was lying up on just a black rug that was in their living room so weird it had looked like rj had just fallen backwards mm-hmm. he didn't notice like and at that point he didn't notice any like blood or signs of violence or forced entry or anything so he just overall like pretty confused as to like what's going right. on like how would he even know right what was going on right he decided i'm not staying in the apartment obviously no something weird i have to call the cops right? right so he called the cops before he did he did notice something that was a little odd there was two bottles of unopened corona on the counter okay and then later on he would find that there was four more corona bottles from a six pack in the refrigerator and the reason this is significant because like to me like when i when i first read this i was like this okay he drinks beer like whatever <laughs> but the friends bring up good point a good point so they said normally rj he was hard on cash a lot of the times right so he would go and buy like a really cheap 40 ounce beer if he was drinking by himself 40 right and it but if he was trying to impress a girl or trying to impress people mm-hmm. he would go he would go and spring for the quote-unquote more expensive beer So that kind of corroborates the whole storyline of he was expecting people to come over. Yeah, the girls. Right. So, and one of his friends literally said he didn't drink Corona unless someone else, like, bought it. That's so weird. Right. Is Corona fancy? (laughs) In the beer world? Not fancy, but I I think that, like... It's, to a 20 something year old it's like, ooh, that's bougie. it's not natty light true, you know true not coors it's not bud yeah yeah okay you're right so he wasn't in the apartment for very long he decided that as he was like leaving he kind of just did like a quick scan to see if anything else was out of place nothing was taken everything was exactly where it, it was or mm-hmm. should be later on we find out like rj's wallet wasn't taken the PlayStation, the Xbox were sitting right there, yeah. like wasn't a robbery, right. right? At this point. So he exits the apartment, calls 911. Okay. The two police cars arrive, two officers. One goes, they both go upstairs to do like the preliminary, like check the scene. Right, right. Another one comes down and starts to interview Stefan. He started asking Stefan about RJ's diet. And if he ever consumed drugs and alcohol. I mean, obviously, there's Coronas on the counter. Right, right. And mind you, this, I didn't mention this, but this area that they're in, in Miami, is 
I, I don't have the name of it right in front of me at this moment, but it's not a good area. Yeah. It's very, it's very well known for crime and like drug, like just drug deals. I feel like that's just Miami in general. It's either like super expensive or not. Absolutely. So, and, and Stephanie answered, honestly, he said he eats cheeseburgers almost every day mm-hmm. <laughs> and fast food he eats fast food all the time and then you know he goes across the street he'll grab a 40 ounce of beer from time to time and then he did he did say like you know he's done drugs before yeah but he wasn't like an abuser of drugs right so th- they responded to him well it looks like your friend maybe just had too much fun or something oh okay mm-hmm. i mean how uh, that makes me so frustrated because yeah. we call the cops to investigate, not make accusations Assumption. yeah. and assumptions. And they need to just look at the evidence. Right. So the police officers, once they were done with their interviewing, Stefan told him he could leave. Okay. Stefan was gone before the first homicide detective got there. And then he returned with the other roommate as RJ's body was being removed from the apartment. The police officers then turned to them and told them, you need to get a cleaner, you know, and get this place cleaned up. Go ahead and clean it up. Without? Doing an investigation. Cool. Because they are assuming it's a drug overdose. (laughs) Yeah. I hope these cops were fired. I don't think they were. So... (laughs) He later saw the uh, Stefan later saw the police incident report and was like shooketh with like how they twisted his words. Oh, God. So he was quoted saying Mr. Von Fouts advised that the victim didn't take care of his health and abused alcohol and narcotics. Oh, okay. Yeah. So at that point, homicide responded and they were just like, well, it's just an unclassified death. Like, we'll get to it when we get to it. So homicide never I don't think ever showed up. it's just plain investigating at this point like no investigation was done right like they just made assumptions they jumped the gun and went about their day yeah they didn't they just wanted an easy out right so meanwhile the two roommates began looking through the phone book for a professional cleaner Mm -hmm. couldn't find one i mean what are they gonna put we clean up after you know whatever like no (laughs) like how do you even like i feel like the police should actually give you like these are some contacts of like who you can like who you can call to take care of this for you well they usually have like people that work for that they'll go do it yeah that makes sense no you should get this place cleaned up yeah but they they do i think have people that they work with in general but i think there's also people that work for the state okay because, I mean, it's biohazard, like, waste at yeah. that point. Like You have to get the people who have, like, certificates and licenses yeah. to do that stuff. Absolutely. So their, their superintendent, um, thankfully, he stepped up and he was like, I'll help you guys clean the place. Mm-hmm. And he, like, scrubbed down the apartment from, like, ceiling to floor. I mean, okay. That's nice of him. Yeah. I mean, because they they were told to do so by the cops. Like the cops were like, "Yeah, you guys are good. It's you can clean up now." 
<laughs> That's so crazy to me. Because I would too. Like if that was my house and something happened, like I'd be like, oh, I need to deep clean everything. Right. But like. I mean, that's the one thing I enjoy about us is because we would be like, are you not going to take samples? Of True. Anything? Yeah. You have everything you need. Yeah. Like, are you guys going to do <laughs> a whatever? Right. Me too. Right. So they afterwards, they decided that they were going to remove the rug mm-hmm. that he was lying on. They rolled it up, took it out to the dumpster, threw it away. <laughs> So they got rid of all the evidence. They did. And I mean, to no fault of their own. Right. I mean. I, yeah. I mean, it wasn't their fault, but. Yeah. RJ's body was taken to the uh, county morgue and it sat there for 48 hours be- before they could get to it. <laughs> Upon investigation, it was immediately found that he had a gunshot in his chest. Oh, okay. Which, and later on, like in in one of the articles, it says something about like the medical examiner was like, this is just terrible like investigation like investigative skills because like if you even if you would have moved his shirt a hole is a hole you would have seen a hole in this man's in this man's shirt my question is though where was the blood right well it had been several days so it's probably was it dried up but you would see i mean if he was on a rug like it was a black rug Mm, you're right but like if you rolled it up the true the That's fact. what I was wondering, too. Was there blood underneath the yeah. rug? Anyway. Yeah. So on January 6th, the autopsy revealed, obviously, he had been shot. This is when officers panicked. They went back to the apartment and started, like, getting really, like, nasty with the with the roommates. Like, just really asking them really pointed questions and, like, essentially being like, what do you mean you cleaned up everything? Oh, my goodness. Of course. Right. So they had actually moved into a local hotel at the time. Uh, it was a Radisson. Oh. Yes. Um, obviously, we're not staying in this house. No, not right now. And then they all, then they, shortly after as well, they they broke the lease. I think that's like a legal thing. Like if anything happens, I think you're allowed to break your lease with no penalty. <laughs> I would hope so. Right. Like how shitty do you have to be as a landlord to be like, no thing. Right. Nope. You're, you stay here <laughs> so 48 hours later police came they returned to the apartment and they saw there was like crime scene tape tape like taped up against the door mm-hmm. um i w- he was trying to they were trying to tell them like their stories it was obviously it all checked out it was the same exact story as what they said before yeah and they said all of a sudden they really wanted to know all of these new details mm-hmm. like they told them about the beer bottles and the vodka, the bottle, uh, bottle of vodka. Um, but they're like, all of that was, has been thrown out. Right. I mean, you told us to. Right. So nothing, unfortunately, ever came from that because they destroyed all the evidence. Yeah. Why would it? Yeah. Caitlin, this, we'll just go over this really quick. Caitlin had no plans to go see him on New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. So that, Brings to question, like, who is the girlfriend yeah, that he was referring the two to? Girls, yeah. Um, she was actually at home having a, a birthday party for one of their friends. And at this point, I guess she did tell the boyfriend that they were going to separate. Cool. Yeah. But it was just 
mutual like a mutual friend of theirs they had like agreed that they were going to throw them a birthday party on new year's so mm-hmm. they just were like whatever we'll do it and they actually have a video from that night that shows her at the house and the boyfriend at the house that was taken from the camera that the boyfriend got for christmas that year so she was ruled out ruled yeah. out there is nothing there's no suspects i mean the police officers do kind of go on to say it's a really rough area. I yeah. mean, he could have gone downstairs, ran across the street to the gas station. Somebody followed him and shot him. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's nothing, but everybody keeps going back to the beers on the counter because they're like, it seems like somebody like RJ let somebody into the apartment mm-hmm. and turned around to grab the beers. Yeah. And then was shot. I mean, yeah, I don't know who would be coming over though. Right. And that's just it. There's no, I mean, there's no other, there's no other evidence. So he was actually um, buried in Virginia on January 12th of 2004. Mm-hmm. And everybody, I mean, the elapsed time from RJ's phone call to his friend Pete and the final call to 911 was only 20 minutes. Yeah. So it happened somewhere in that window. It's so quick. Yeah. They have no suspects, nothing to go on. The case has gone cold. So. Both of the these stories, like there is no reason, right? I don't, well, seemingly, like it just so, seems. Yeah, we don't know, of course. Yeah. Well, we hope everyone has a wonderful holiday season. Yes, and we will be back, like we said, starting February second with our regular podcasting schedule. So you'll get <laughs> new episodes from us every single week, starting February second. <laughs> Happy holidays, Bye. everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of Unsolved America. Head on over to Facebook and Instagram and follow us at Unsolved America MVP. And be sure to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform. If you need to contact us, please email MVP at gmail.com and we'll talk to you next week. This has been an MVP podcast by Village Productions. 